Do I do that too? <laughs> Hi everybody, welcome to All Hearts. Welcome back to the party. Welcome back to the party. My name is Noni Lamar. And my name is Thea Monier. And this is a podcast that's all about joy and pleasure. 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 So good at that. <laughs> that was great. How have you been, Thea? We haven't seen each other for a minute. I know. It's been crazy. We've been keeping in touch like via text, but that's not our normal mode of communication. Mm-mm. I've been good. I've been, I was away for eight days and Nine hours a day for eight days. I was learning about sex. Okay. All kinds of sex. Okay. Is this your heart to heart? This is my heart to heart. Let's jump in. Tell us what's on your heart, Thea. I don't think of myself as a prudish person, you Mm -hmm. know? And I, it was a lot of porn, right? It was, (laughs) let's just, it was a lot of porn. And, you know, there's this thing they call like a sexual attitude reassessment. And it's kind of like boot camp for sex educators and sex therapists where they're like just like running drills. It's like, watch this porn. How do you feel about that? How do you feel about that? Tell us how you feel. Are you uncomfortable? Do you like that? Deal with that. Deal with your bias. And it's like, it's literally like that for three days straight. And I didn't know that that's what that was. Wait, wait, hold on a second. I I need to rewind. So you just watch porn like in a whole room full of people watching porn together? Boom, right? And then let's be specific, right? Like, because we all got porn taste, right? We all got <laughs> porn appetites. There's, there's a wide selection. Those of us who have ventured to the websites know, like, there's right. categories to this. Right, right. And you may venture towards a certain category, but you don't get a choice. You don't get to choose the category. You don't even choose the video you would choose in that category. So... Then I'm like, okay, I'm trying to deal with my bias because maybe I'm biased about this. But then, or is it that I just wouldn't have clicked on this particular video, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe I, I, maybe I needed something a little different. I don't know. I mean, by the end of it, I was just by day two, I went back to my hotel room, grabbed some popcorn and chocolate, and climbed in the bed like a traumatized child like I I was like am I supposed to do this okay so you know I have a lot of questions yes yeah so okay I don't even know if we're gonna have time for what's on my heart because I have so many (laughs) different things like I could have I can't believe you didn't mention this until now okay so what what's something that you watched that you were like I I can't deal how many people were in the room I have so so many questions questions. (laughs) so there was like 25 of us in the room okay and it was a broad ass range, right? So okay. you have like your gender queer, different color hair, mm-hmm. white chicks. You got your mm-hmm. elderly population <laughs> represented from Our small southern towns. Okay. There was people from like really close, tight knit religious communities. There were people from different countries. It was a wider range, right? So because there's not a lot of these programs. And this one, I mean, I have to say, is pretty broad in looking at sex as a holistic thing, not as like just the biological aspects of it or just the sociological aspects of it. So that's dope. Mm -hmm. But I just didn't mentally prepare. I didn't know what I was walking into for these first three days. The remaining five days were more like specific instruction on male, female, sexual dysfunction, BDSM, kink, pleasure. It was great. It's Mm -hmm. great. Mm -hmm. But these first three days, it was meant to like shock you, make you uncomfortable, and then like have you deal with it. And it it was kind of done in a way that was like, I don't understand. Like, why are you fucking with me like this? Like, it just the video, I won't say disturbing, but the video that, like, continues to impact me. There was a video, and I think we're talking about 
silver sex, like over 65, right? Okay. So that, I think, was supposed to be the focus. However, the way this video was constructed, <laughs> there were so many distractions, right? So it was an older Asian man, right? Okay. And the woman seemed to be like, covering her eyes. He was holding her in this weird position. He was participating and directing, you know, the cameraman who at one point like <laughs> went through their kitchen and I could see like all the snacks on their counter. Wait, 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 wait. Right. Wait, was hold just... up, hold up, hold up. So was it amateur? Yes, there was a lot of amateur stuff. No. <laughs> it was just... What I'm saying, were they porn, porn, pornographic Actors and actresses. No, this was these are there were a lot of them were amateur. Okay, all right, right. So you know, anything. I, I wish everyone could see the look she no, has in just, her eyes right now. It's one of because he of did this move, right? He did this move that I can't get out of my head. Like he just kind of rocked side to side. It was like this, like, and he that was his move. You know what I'm saying? And I remember that came up in the discussion. People were like, he was trying new things, and I was like, there was the one video that I can say. Afterwards, I had a completely judgmental face because I had, I just felt, why did you make me do that? I don't understand. It was, it was what does this have to do with anything? Okay, did you, were, were there any videos you saw that turned you on and okay, you, so you wished you were alone? Thing, like, right, for sure, right? So this was the other thing. Because I would be like, yo, I'm getting turned on. No, like, for sure. And there were people, you know, for anonymity's sake, you know, this is my comrades, can't say much, but there were people who were like, surprise you in the room like the ones you would think would be the most like uncomfortable would be like I could watch more and I was like I can't <laughs> like I literally can't I haven't watched Ports of back. I haven't I were, were you were you a weekly porn watcher like do you think it's ruined you know, your pornography relationship I, I just I just that man's move, his signature move, <laughs> Noni. And then it was crazy. Was like I kept seeing like older Asian men, and then I would think of that move. It was just like, you know. So you so you have you've created a bias. Is that what you're telling us here? I don't know if it's a. It's more like a phobia. No, oh it's more God. like a. It's, it's more like a little bit of a fear. I, I want to apologize to all of our older Asian male it's listeners. Not, it's not them personally. It's this one guy <laughs> doing this one move, and it's kind of like when when a song gets stuck in your head, and you can't tell what the song is, and and like it, you can't get it out. That's that dance. It's the dance. If I show you the move. You know what? We're going to do a boomerang of the move and then like post it and then people will know exactly what I'm talking about. And you ask me if you get that out of your head. And especially if like the woman could be under duress, like we didn't know why she was there. So so what was the woman doing while he was doing the move? Like she seemed like she was trying to cover her face. Like maybe she, I don't know. We had questions about consent. Like there was just like a million questions. We were overthinkers clearly. But Mm. to the arousal question, yes, right? Like there Mm. was arousal. So that was the weirdest part for me. It was like, like it would make me... You know, think of my husband, and then like, and then I'm like, oh, but there's like 25 people here, and then mm-hmm. it got really like weird, you know, and and it didn't even matter the type of sex or the, mm-hmm. the, the who the people were, it was just like arousal stuff. It was an intense eight days. So by the end, were the arousals going away? There were classes that were more clinical than others, mm-hmm. so that it wouldn't happen much in those classes. Or and there were classes where it was arousal, but it was like more curiosity, like, ooh, yes, I got to, ooh, let me take note of that. I got to try that. It was somewhere more like that. Because we watched less 
of the intense videos as we went throughout the program. It was mainly those first three days that we watched those. But it was just also really fascinating to be like in a room full of so many different types of people and to see like, God, sex is actually the thing that could bring America together. I mean, literally everybody in this room should have had beef with each other, right? And here we are. And I was like, Noni and I are on to something right now because here we are all watching porn together, all with questions about BDSM and kink and all these different things. And everybody in here could not be more different. And everybody here is like really appreciating each other's contribution. That's amazing. It was, it was like the America of the future. Were you the only black woman there? That would be my fear um, because the town was very white. Um, but no, there was um, there were two other women there that identified as black women, which I was just very grateful for. Okay. Um, as soon as I saw them when I walked in the room, I was like, yes. But I was also very surprised because, you know, I have had some white issues, especially mm-hmm. after this last election, especially with like just trust and like. And I was able to even like have those conversations with people there. Like, you know, usually I wouldn't fuck with you. And they were like, no, we get it. So the sex brought you closer to your white brothers and sisters. Is that what you're telling me? I mean, (laughs) at a certain point, I was like. So what you're telling me is we should all sit in a room, mm -hmm. watch disturbing pornography Mm -hmm. together for three days. Mm -hmm. And then our racial. I'm just saying, like, once you've gone through that, I think this is why people in the military like end up having like yeah. a lot of multi-race. They were like, it's not about color because like oh, they was, go through this other experience together. It was a trauma. <sighs> there were there, there was so I think we all had some traumatic <laughs> moments, but even it also was like God, you got to be really vulnerable to be here. Mm. Like you have to be really vulnerable, and then that made you interested in the person. Like, well, what's your story? Like, why did you come here? And everybody had a different intention for what they wanted to take and bring back to people in their spaces that they felt they didn't have or people who they knew that were shamed or in their communities that were shamed or in their small towns. And they wanted to be the voice and the point of access for these people to get information that make them feel good about pleasure and feel good about their sexual appetite and sexual habits. So that was really dope, you know? And Mm -hmm. in order to do that, you have to allow people to be individuals. And I think that's what ends up happening, you know, after we got through those first three days. We all walked out there the first couple days like, what the fuck is happening? (laughs) What is happening? So what is your reason that you wanted to be a sex therapist? I found that like any other modality I was trying to check out or, or like look into in terms of psychotherapy always ended up being like white supremacist. It always ended up Mm. being something that was a white model, or it was originally indigenous model that white people mm. co-opted called science and then tried to sell back to people of color, which I was like, that shit's not yeah, no. good. So, or, and then the model was not inclusive after that. So I was like, I'm just not going to do this. This is a waste of my time. I'm not going to use it because if I'm, I'm not doing anything that's not inclusive of all kinds of people. And um, came across Esther Perel, I think we've talked about her before, and her work was so inclusive. I could see myself using it with so many people. And it looks at like culture and cultural influences on sexuality and all these different things. And so I found a path that was inclusive to begin with, but also I'm really long-term interested in taking this idea of sexual energy as not just in its physical form, but right, like, okay, I have my first double-double with extra cheese in over a year from in and out because like- I have not been doing that. Yeah, you've been, you've been on the vegan trend. It was National Cheeseburger Day. Okay. 
And I was just like, you know, I'm beyond. It's just a lot of shame that comes with veganism. <laughs> it's just a <laughs> lot of fucking shame. Like, it's just like a lot of shame. And so I was just like, you know, today my family's excited about National Cheeseburger Day. And I'm going to have a cheeseburger and I'm going to go hard because I probably won't have another one for a very long time. So I did, and that first bite qualifies as orgasmic. <laughs> oh, it does. But I want people to recognize that as sexual energy, like the pleasure and the enjoyment and the feeling that you get in the sensations, and particularly people of color, particularly um, black women, that there's been this dissociation from the body historically because it feels safer sometimes to be outside of this black body right. um, than it does to be in it. But if we can teach pleasure outside of a physical form, we can, I think, integrate them back into the physical form of pleasure. And that's kind of my goal, like to help them be able to sit within their own body and experience pleasure. Because I feel like that's a big fuck you mm. to anybody trying to take away mm. our freedom is like, if I can enjoy this body, then fuck you, you know? And um, it's a way of like, to me, re-looking at how we heal trauma, healing trauma with joy. It's been proven through neuroscience that joy it recreates pathways in the brain that have been damaged by trauma. Joy does that. And so I feel like the same thing can happen for the body. That's great. Yeah. I'm going to share my heart to heart. Yes. I'm actually going to um, talk about something different than we, oh, okay. we discussed. Okay. But um, you reminded me of something that I've been doing uh, that's really joyful yes. recently. So um, I've been working on a record. I really love this whole process. Mm-hmm. It's like the moment, I think we did a, like We've met up a couple times. We had a couple sessions, and right now the music is just sounding really good. But the last time I went over there, um, I'm working with a woman. Mm-hmm. Like I wanted to actually have a, a female producer. Yes. And I reached out to one of my favorite musicians and asked her if she would be down to produce me. I slid in her DMs. It was great. <laughs> I was really it was everything. Like, it's done that way. Everything is. I mean. A message like yeah. if you want something, just slide, slide in, the DMs. Slide in you there. You never know what could happen. You never know. So I have this great producer that makes the music that I have in my head, which is just fantastic and incredible. But I went over there and she was like, I, I was like, how how's it been going with you? Have you been, you know, what have you been working on? She's like, oh, let me show you. And she goes and she takes out this karaoke mic. <laughs> now it's a karaoke mic that has a speaker inside mm-hmm. and a Bluetooth. Mm. And then she just was like, name a song. And then I just like, lame Luther Vandross, never mm-hmm. too much. Mm-hmm. And then she just pressed play. And then I just started singing it into this microphone. And all of a sudden, like I, I had been having like such a heavy few yeah, weeks. Yeah. And all that stuff just way, started way. just, never just melting much, away. I mean... And then I was like, I need my own. Mm-hmm. And so then I went Did home. You get one? Of course. And then I went and I bought one $30 on Amazon. <laughs> and it got to my house and I was like, is it really going to be like that moment? Yes, it was that and more. Oh like I was making oatmeal and I was singing Stevie Wonder. Yes, yes. I was like cleaning the house, but with one in one hand I was singing <laughs> Janet Jackson. Yes. And like, and this it, is not the kids' toy. Let's no, be clear. let's Nobody be clear. Nobody touches this. No, 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 no. Because it is a tool, a tool of to- of joy and pleasure. Yes. And I want them to see that, like, they can have, they can have, they can party with me too. Yes. So I was like, look, Umi has a toy. Yeah. I have this cool toy. Yeah. It's so fun. And you know, they were trying to watch TV, and they kept turning it up because I kept turning up my karaoke. <laughs> <laughs> But if you saw them walking around holding your karaoke bike, would it be like, okay, that's Umi's so, toy? So they've, they've been doing that, the but devil. it's really, I mean, this karaoke mic, 
I mean, it's thirty dollars. Let's just I mean, be clear. Uh, it's, yeah, it's thirty dollars, so it's, it's not expensive, right? And it's pretty sturdy. And like, I gave it to the baby, and the baby, like, I put on her favorite, mm-hmm. you know, little songs that she likes to sing, and she was like, "Pika, pika, pika, boo, <laughs> pika, boo." Ooh, like was she was she? singing along with her songs, oh and she, you know, had her hands up in the air, the mic all the I way to the sky. I can see that mic going through the whole house. <laughs> this mic, I'm telling you, I feel like I saved myself money on on therapy, mm. on antidepressants. Mm. I just, I'm not feeling it a, a little low, and I just yes. take it out. But it's really about to me accessing like. This childlike, yes, you know, yes. I've always been about like not losing the childlike yes. wonder and really embracing that. And I found like in becoming a mother, I've become less childlike. Yes. And when I was just an auntie, I was like, yeah. you remember I was the queen of like fun yes. and, and best babysitter around ever. But becoming a mom, there's so much responsibility. Yeah. And I'm always like, damn, I wish I could give Play. my kids the, mm-hmm. the auntie I was. I wish mm-hmm. I could be that as a mom. And mm. this karaoke oh, mic. Oh, that's beautiful. This karaoke mic is the, is Damn, the key. I, have to order. I swear to God, let me explain something to y'all. I'm going to need a budget. Because <laughs> Noni, every time you talk about something on this show, I got a cabinet full of lion's mane. <laughs> Okay, it's and I'm still right working though, right. through. It's I, right I mean, right and now it. this damn karaoke mic. You know what I'm saying? You, we this, need sponsors you, because you. this, <laughs> your shit. When you when you endorse stuff, it really does sell. So look, even if it's just to me, <laughs> even if I'm the only bitch buying look, it, it's the truth. Look, this karaoke mic will get you right. You, you can you, get it. You can get it God in rose damn it, gold. Just the way you say it makes <laughs> what? You can get it in rose gold. You can get it in rose gold. I got mine in silver. No, but you know we're a rose gold house for sure. Talani's gonna want a rose gold one. And it's gotten me just so into singing. And and you know, I'm gonna wrap up with this. The other thing that I've been just like really, really, really obsessed with for three days is the Bobby Brown story. <laughs> but then that led me to the Whitney documentary. I just feel like I know like Black Twitter was all about the Bobby Brown story, and I, I know lots of people were, were consuming it. But I just want to say it's not fair to only listen to one side of the story. No, it's not. Because I watched the Bobby Brown story and I started being like, I thought I loved Whitney. I know. Did you see it? I haven't seen the Whitney doc yet. I haven't seen seen the Bobby. Mm -mm, Not yet. You got to watch it. And you know, I like good filmmaking and this isn't it. Okay. Okay. (laughs) I was good. Okay. It isn't it, but it's, it's. It's, Wild, it's wildly right. entertaining. Yeah, it's it's phenomenally. Wait, isn't that Bobby? It, wildly and like Bobby was like watching. Yes, he was like watching An, a, a train wreck accident. that never actually. <laughs> it would just never hit. It was like always about to hit. But you it's know? so it's so complicated, and I feel like when we talk about relationships and stuff, like. We don't see like this is a mm, real layers. black relationship. Yeah. There's so many yeah. layers. She yeah. was so hood. She was. She she got him she on was. drugs. She was. like but Bobby got did so she get many. Him on drugs? She, did. she did. He never did she drugs did. before he met. He was an alcoholic. And then there was Robin, wasn't? Yeah, I mean he, he had so many baby mamas. He had so many kids. There was there was so much going on. But when you watch the Whitney story, and you really see like she was she was queer. Yes. That piece. That piece. And, that, and I also am like, did she really want to sing? Like, she was an amazing singer, right? Wow. But but hmm. did, was that what she wanted 
to do with her life. And And it's what her mother definitely wanted her to do with her life. And I I consumed so much content about Whitney Houston over the last Mm -hmm. last few days. I went to the autopsy report. I was, I was (laughs) like line by line. I was like, she had, I know that she had dentures when she passed. I know everything about Whitney Houston at this point. I was just like, so I get obsessed. Yes. That's like a part of my personality. Like (laughs) I just, once I start thinking about something, I can't stop thinking about it. This is the rabbit hole. (laughs) This is the rabbit hole. (laughs) Once I was like, Oh, it was like three in the morning. I was reading that autopsy report, and I was like, "You should stop." Yeah, this is this why you don't. When sleep. you get to autopsy report, <laughs> it's a good place to back the fuck up. But it was—I don't know if she want. I think she wanted to sing. She loved it, but she didn't want to be famous. No, I don't. No, she, she didn't. didn't. Not like that. Even she and her singing was sing effortless. This. Like oh. she was hitting the high note in her mouth. Now some folks, you see veins and everything. Oh. She, it was effortless, but. That's the part that really got me, Thea, is with all how great she was. She was literally a genius, a vocal yeah, genius. Yeah. And that she's remembered as a as a crackhead. Yeah. Like that's how we we are deciding to remember this black woman who supported hundreds of people, millions yeah. of dollars, employed so many people over like a generation of time. Like she was working since the 80s, like all the way, like, yeah, it was just like, this is what, she's a Leo too, by the way, but yeah. Aww. To my own heart. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that she just gave and 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 then. But we've seen this happen done. to people who like, the industry makes them into what they want them to be. This is always the ending. This yeah, is always the true. ending. It's, you have to be grounded. You have to have the kind of parents and support system around you who aren't going to support that, but who are going to remind you who the fuck you are. Or else, you know, they always get eaten you know, up alive by yeah, it. Yeah, it's true. But I, I just think that as black women, we need to have our own saints. And like, mm-hmm. we need to like lift up our saints mm-hmm. because there's no reason why she should be remembered this way. That wasn't no. the entirety of her life. No. That wasn't the sum of all the parts. No. That was just a part. And yeah. that like, when you see like the Pusha T album cover with, you know, her, her last day, you know, her hotel with all of the crack pipe and stuff, it's like, yo, when are we gonna? Yeah. I don't like, I didn't see that album cover, nor would I, but. But we like to me yeah. that that becomes a public discourse, like yeah. utilizing this black woman's pain as yeah. as a point of art, like, yeah. and, and this is how you're gonna sell your record by yeah. by showing what her her trauma and her, her pain became. Bit. Yeah, and her daughters. God, come on, dog. Like, but to me, it's like I'm a I'm gonna keep shouting Whitney. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be no, like, for sure. You know, I'm gonna keep. Listen, I'm gonna keep. There are folks Whitney. out there who do not at all talk about Whitney being. As a crackhead, like who recognized her as the diva that I she mean, was. The ultimate. I mean, yeah. that's the that voice is the ultimate. It's and amazing. There can be no Beyonce without Even Whitney. now, when you watch like those talent shows and that song drop, you be like, "Oh, you better do this shit right. <laughs> you better do this shit right. This could be the one to send your ass home, boo. Are you sure you want to do this? Share my. I mean, oh, I'd be nervous the whole okay, from the first day. You've been, uh, you've been well, doing you been you been doing vocal exercises. Little, you know, I, I got enough to be like. In the background. I, okay, okay. I didn't know you. But my point look. is, when key. you hear that, I get tense the whole time until I, until I get to, I don't really want to look. Like, I'm just saying. Well, watch that Bobby Brown story. I okay. am because Mark's gonna want to watch it. Yeah. So I already, know. <laughs> I already know he's gonna make. He he loves docs about that kind of stuff. So, so what's our okay. main topic today? <laughs> we decided today yes. that we were going to. Hold ourselves up to 
the, uh, the mirror yes. of vulnerability. Yes. We're, we're talking about a topic that both Thea and, and I, yeah. we really struggle, really with. struggle with this issue. So we are talking about complaining. A complaining ass <laughs> bitch. <laughs> are you a complaining we, ass we bitch? We are talking about... <laughs> Are you a Do complaining? You complain ass? about every goddamn thing that happens. How does your partner feel about you? When people say hello, do you say, I mean, I'm just making it? <laughs> this should be a this like when, when somebody says, Oh, your child's so cute, are you like, Oh man, he getting on my nerves? <laughs> like when is your first, is your default to be like, you know, this could have been better, you know? I, I got one that I hear all the time. What? A complaint that I give daily and that I hear all the time. How are you? I'm tired. I'm tired. I mean, I'm tired. I used to be like, you know, especially when it, my friends before they started having kids, they come to my house and I'm like, how you doing? I'm tired. I'm like, why? I mean. Why, why, why are you leading with that? Why are you leading? This is so, it's not that you can't be tired. You can but is it the the totality of what you are experiencing at this moment? If like so, okay, let's de- this define. is deep for us. Let's, deep for let's us. define what a complaint. So we had is. to we had to go to a definition, and we had to we also you know did a little research. So the definition, according to something online, <laughs> <laughs> according to something online, online. <laughs> first thing you Google is a statement that a situation is unsatisfactory or unacceptable, right? Mm-hmm. Also, a statement of dissatisfaction, grievance, a charge, an accusation. Three, a reason for dissatisfaction. Mm. So dissatisfaction is clearly yep. the hallmark yes. of a complaint. Are right? you satisfied? Are you satisfied? No. But what is, we should have looked at what is satisfied, right? Because that's a moving fucking target. This yeah. is part of the problem, right? Like what satisfies you today doesn't satisfy you tomorrow. For if mm-hmm. you're a mom and you pack lunches for your kids, let me tell you something. One week they like cheese, it's the next week they don't. Okay. <laughs> and it's like you like cheese last week. Okay. This week they like a certain type of cheese, the next week they don't. But wait a minute. But I don't like that anymore. It's nasty. But last week you was eating it, right? That's dissatisfaction is something that changes from moment to moment. Remember I sent you this this week. Mm-hmm. Joyfulness. These are these cards I use with my children. They're called the Virtues Project. Joyfulness is an inner sense of peace and happiness. You appreciate the gifts each day brings. Without joyfulness, when the fun stops, our happiness stops. Joy can carry us through the hard times, even when we're feeling sad. Joy gives us wings. So to me, like when I think about satisfaction, I think closest to this. Mm-hmm. I think when I'm satisfied, I'm joy. joy. Remember mm-hmm. when we started this, we were like, what's the difference between joyfulness mm-hmm. and happiness? Mm-hmm. Joyfulness never wanes. Yes. And I think that that feeling yes. of satisfaction, of feeling full, mm-hmm. of feeling satiated, mm-hmm. not like, oh, I just wish I had a little bit more of something else. Mm-hmm. I think it's really that I, I am admitting this to everyone. This that is shit is hard this, for me. Yes, because I was about to say, you got the damn joy cards, <laughs> joy virtue cards with the kids. Tell us, though, how... Because I don't even have the virtue cards. <laughs> so how does one with the virtue cards still find themselves complaining? We got to figure out what this is. And, and and here's the thing, because I'm not really a public complainer. This is true. Me neither. Yeah. But. I'm not the person. I mean, if we're really close, like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. you know what's bothering me. I'm going to tell you, oh, this fucking sucks. But in general, I try to find like the 
the the mm-hmm. light side of you know mm-hmm. where, where's the light in the tunnel where's yes. where's the wonderful like coconut water in this yes. situation like <laughs> where's the, where's coconut, the little water? Sip of coconut water where I can have in this situation but in my most romantic intimate relationship he's probably like she don't ever stop <laughs> she don't she like why they hey, hey i need what's up with them dishes what's up with them what's up with this money what's up with this is it like roll go. out before you even realize is it unconscious at, the, at a certain point like is it just automatic it's like i feel so safe i feel so safe that i want to i'm able to give a hundred percent of everything that's going on in my head so if i'm feeling this safe i'm gonna tell you all of it i'm just telling you as it's coming up. And in general, that's not how I roll. I, I choose my words carefully. I'm out here choosing my thoughts carefully, even, you know, like really monitoring. Mm-hmm. But if I'm safe, I'm just like, oh, oh man, my stomach hurts. Oh, yeah, my stomach hurts today and I'm so tired. Oh, I got this to do. I can't believe this. Whoa, like I don't even have enough time to get this done. Oh my God. Oh man, I, oh, I only got two hours to do this homeschool. Like, you know what I'm saying? It so just becomes this. The complaints are always there. They're mm-hmm. just filtered out for different situations. Oh yeah, the complaints um, are the ch- inner chatter. Right, right. This right, inner chatter. Right. Now, to be fair, yes. my inner chatter is also balanced. So I'm like, I, I have this game that I, I played with the kids. Like, we just did it yesterday. Mm-hmm. As we're walking, we do the grateful game. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it's like you're just saying what you're grateful for. Mm-hmm. And you're just, just saying it. Whatever comes mm-hmm. up. I'm so grateful that I'm walking and I got this sunshine on my, my skin and it feels so good. Mm-hmm. I'm so grateful that I got this wind in my hair and my hair feels so light, you know? And we just say all the things we're grateful for. Now, that is also happening inside, yes. uh, inside of me. That's also a chatter that's happening. Yes. It's not just complaining, complaining right. or just gratitude. Right. Those things are happening. So the gratitude piece is what be fucking me up sometimes because mm. I can be such a perfectionist. Okay. And I can go so hard. Noni can vouch for this. I go hard. Mm-hmm. That like mm-hmm. I don't allow or don't make I don't allow permission for gratitude and complaint to coexist. So like if I don't give myself permission to complain. Mm. And I think, yes, we're talking about complaining, but, you know, there's different types of complaining. Like, there's some people that that's, like, literally... All they do. Oh, my God. Like a like curmudgeon. You call them yeah, a curmudgeon. And every time you call them, you just you just genuinely want them to answer one day and say, everything's fucking great. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. There's an amazing day. And that never happens. Yeah. There's always some shit wrong. And that can be like a lot because like we we need to share joy. We need to like pass right. around the good things. And I, I never want to be that. Mm-hmm. But I find myself filtering a lot of that from a lot of different people and that could be the therapist piece of me or whatever mm-hmm. but I find myself filtering a lot of that so then when I for a long time I felt guilty about wanting to complain or like being dissatisfied and mm-hmm. um that it was showing a lack of gratitude and I think for me that has like given me this sometimes unrealistic unhealthy superhuman look at myself as opposed to allowing myself to be a human being and saying like mm-hmm. This yeah. is hard. I don't like this. I don't want to do this, and that's just my truth in that time. But not feeling like that. The, but not feeling like that means I'm shitting on the things that I have, like right. being ungrateful. And I think I really, I really have struggled with that. And I think mm-hmm. it's been to my detriment at times because, mm-hmm. um, because I don't allow myself to just have human emotions and be like honest about it. Mm-hmm. But but I would tell you, 
So I found this article, The Three Types of Complaining, and they talk about the psychology of complaining. Okay. And I really liked... I, I really like liked how, how he broke it down. It down. Yeah, like I like he gave it too. us three categories, right? Okay. Um, and he talked about complaint threshold. So everybody has their personal complaint threshold. So that's a good thing I learned, right? Like, so it's okay if I'm feeling this way and this is my truth in this moment. But you know, if it's the next day and I'm still complaining about this, mm-hmm. that's that's probably problematic, right? right like, right. so having these like, I guess complaining. Moments, but not like a lifestyle of complaining. It's interesting because I read that I read that threshold piece as differently. I read it as what is a threshold you reach where you have to complain? Ah, uh, okay. like where where do you right. where do you get in? When is it too much? Where you're like, you know, you when you're getting it. bad service and you right. don't really want right. to say anything, right. and then you're just like, you know, it's right. kind of like that. By the time you know, some if somebody throws the plate down, like just shoves the plate, here you go, and yeah. like walks away, then you're like, what the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I especially especially with outer things. Like, how much shit do you take from somebody before you say something? Then, see, to me, that's not a complaint. That's checking people. Now, maybe Mm. I should think about because I have a really, really big threshold for that. For that, yeah. What if they bring you the wrong watermelon Uh, from (laughs) (laughs) department? I don't know. Look, Look, that's different. That's That's different. different. But I'm talking about like I can take a lot of um, a lot of disrespect. Like I really can because I'm always thinking about like. Okay, well, this person is dealing with this. Yeah. I'm, I usually have my empathetic or compassionate hat. So you on. kind of rationalize or justify the behavior. Yeah, you gotta go really far. Like you, you used gotta. to have to go really far for me, no. But now <laughs> I see you going up the up the block, and I know you're gonna turn that corner. And I'm gonna be like, let me tell you something before you hit that corner. You don't want to hit that corner. Not with me. Not with me. That now my, you know, now my Leo is more. Yeah. That was when my Aquarius uh, <laughs> rising was more present. But so they broke it down into three categories. We have the chronic complainers. Yes. They have a tendency to ruminate on problems and to focus on setbacks over progress. And then then he talked about how research suggests that making a habit of complaining, and I believe this, can rewire the brain so that those particular thinking orientations become ingrained. Now, as a therapist, I'm going to tell you that's absolutely true. One I of mean, the reasons- as a person who watches Curb Your Enthusiasm, <laughs> that's absolutely true. Like Larry David complains the whole time. The whole time. Yeah, and I and, love it. And I, and I sit I sit in sessions and one of the things I was people always ask me, how do you know if people are telling the truth? And I, for me it doesn't matter if they're telling the truth. It's how they tell the story that tells me what's going on. Mm. So if the person is framing the story in a way that they're always the victim of something, or if they're framing the story in a way that they're always powerless in the situation, or in a way that it's always someone else's fault, then that tells me what I need to work on with that person, right? Um, so like I'm with really complainers, wa- I'm really wary of that. Yeah, with complainers, yeah. even when you toss out really reasonable solutions, really easy things, they will find something wrong with it. You'll be like, okay, well, why don't you just take a walk for 15 minutes a day? I can't walk. You know, my street is unsafe. Okay, well, you know, we have a gym here on campus. Maybe you could do the treadmill. I, I get out of class too late. Like every single thing you say, they got. And I really think over time, the brain develops by pattern. And, and the thought that our brains are all the way developed by three is not true. Mm-hmm. You know, they're continuously mm-hmm. developing um, through new experiences. So if, if we're constantly experiencing or feeding our brain complaints, what's happening is it really can't see solution. After a while, it doesn't even seek it. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Well, to me, you know, I function on, on metaphysical. So, mm-hmm. like, to me, that's the subconscious mind. Like, mm-hmm. 
I think it's so important to surround yourself with people that will put up that mirror and say, like, you know, hey, Noan, you've been, like, just really just complaining for, like, a whole week. Like, what's going on with you? Yeah. Like, and then you're really able to see, like, what are you telling yourself? Like, what are you telling your subconscious mind is the truth? Yeah. What am I starting to believe is the truth? If, If I'm always saying I'm tired... Like, I had to get that. I, I really worked on that for a long time. Because yeah. I was like, damn, I'm always tired. Yeah. Well, you're always saying you're tired. You're always like, saying you're tired. Are you energetic? Like, to me, the solution for a lot of complaining is affirmation. Like, mm-hmm. what am I affirming into my life? What am I stating is true? Yes. Like, what are these words that I'm telling myself is true? In, and I believe in faking it till you make it. Like Yes. Because what you're complaining about is also what you're focusing on. So you're just not seeing the mm-hmm. other things that are there. But it doesn't mean those things aren't there. It just means that you're these are the things you're focused on the most. It's, I mean, it's highly associated with anxiety as well. You don't see this as much with depression. Mm-hmm. Um, I see it more with anxiety. People who are like finding something wrong with things or hypercritical, um, it's usually more so in the makeup of that. I mean, you can see it with depression somewhat, but but I think the actual complaining it's a lack of motivation more so in depression than it is like mm-hmm. active complaining. But I did identify with the second version, venters. Okay. Venting is expressing emotional dissatisfaction. It turns out that people who vent have an agenda. And that agenda is they want to be validated in <laughs> their dissatisfaction. They want somebody to say, it's okay to be dissatisfied about this. You're right. You do work hard. You should be doing better. This is, I am a venter. I, first of all, venters hold it in. Okay. We don't give ourselves human moments to be like, this shit sucks. We don't right. do that. We don't allow that because we're always positive. Go, go, go. So then when it comes out, it's like, I just need to say this for a minute. And it all comes out. And then what does the other person say? You know it's going to be all right. You've been doing it. They give you all this wonderful validation that what you've been doing has been great we'll and see been if working it's like out. A, another lady. Like I will say that. Yeah. <laughs> well, my husband. He could be quite validating in the air. He could be very sweet in that area. He'll be like, Once you're again, doing a great job. Once again, doing- husband of the year award <laughs> goes to him. He'll be like, you're doing a great job, you know. But but I realized, I didn't realize that until I read this, that what I need them to say is that, like, you know, you're doing a good job. That, like, particularly I think this comes up for me around my art, around mm-hmm. things I'm trying to create and you know, grow and make bigger. Mm. It's like when they're not moving fast enough or producing fast enough and Mm. I'm getting frustrated and I'm venting about it, I need someone to say, you're doing everything you can possibly be doing to make this happen. And I just need to hear it outside of my own head. You know what I mean? So if you hear someone come with a solution, how does it feel? Like if somebody's like, well, why don't you just do this? I will do what the other people do, and I will be like, I do do that. <laughs> I did that already. I did that twice, you know, because I'm not looking for a solution. And that moment, I'm just looking for somebody to say, you're doing really great and everything you can. And, you know, that's that part of us that also can tap into some controlling stuff, like believing that things aren't happening because of something we're doing when maybe things aren't happening because it's not the right season. It's not the right time, right? Mm-hmm. But but we're, the assumption is that I have control, so I should be able to impact whether or not this does that. You can have everything lined up perfectly, and now you're just waiting on time. You do, you, know? do you think it's cool, it's okay to complain? I think, I think that 
complaining. I think it's okay to be to say how you feel. I think complaining is saying how you feel without the desire to necessarily feel better. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like complaining is a negative space. At the end of the day, it's a space of woe is me and self-pity and a lot of things like that. But it's how do we get point. up without, you know, Abraham Hicks talks about like this, uh, like kind of cycle of emotions. Like, mm-hmm. but you have to like go from the bottom yeah. up to the top. Yeah. You can't. You can't start in despair and leap all the way to pure, no, ever-loving bliss. Right, right. You have to go through these yeah. these different yeah. levels to get to that. And like, to me, you know, I don't know if complaining is right or wrong. That's why I'm asking you, right? But yeah. I think personally, like, it can be healthy mm-hmm. to, to vent. It can be to healthy vent, yeah. to get those things out. It can be healthy to actually experience that part of yourself as someone to, and wake up and say, oh, Oh, I've been complaining. Like, what other kind of way do I want to be? What other kind of person do I want to be? He mentions, I think it's called constructive complaining or something. Instrumental complaining. Instrumental complaining. So, Mm -hmm. yes, clearly there's a positive way (laughs) to complain. But one of the things he says about the two, the first two, are that they are, um, they usually bring people down. They make the other person around you's mood shift too. Like, it's like, you know, they usually are more so downers. and so he talks about instrumental complaining, which is complaining that's meant to be solution oriented, strategic, and compassionate. You know, so like I just thought of something. I had this what? friend that used to say, like, when I'd be complaining too much, she was like, "Save it for your diary." <laughs> I mean, cause you know, she was like, "This shit is exhausting." <laughs> she was like, "Because we were really you. close. We lived together. We shared money. Like, we had a group. Yeah. You know, but I would say something. You know, I'd be like, "Oh man, I don't like this." And she's like. Save it for your diary, dude. <laughs> I think I know which one that is. Save it for your diary, dude. That's why you said that. And I'd be like, you're right. Where's my, where is my diary? I think it can Isn't that be. Right? Isn't I mean, that why we became poets? It's like, yes. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it's so, this is so hard because it's not that we're not, it, people can complain, but I just think be mindful of when that complaint has gone to a place where it's like really dragging you and people around you down. And like, it's really become a part of your coping mechanism is to complain. It's to just find Interesting. negative things to say about almost everything you're doing or someone else is doing. That's the other thing we like complaining about other people, like other people never do something right. That can be so freaking dangerous. Yeah, and that is that negative. Is, that and is. we'll sit there and say, we love these people. Oh, I love my, I love my partner. I love my kids. I love, but we constantly pick at them. Oh my God. And that can just, you have, I've watched it happen in relationships and the other person feels like it doesn't matter what I do. Everything. And I have wrong. to convince them that it's not, it's because it's not about you. It's, it's a, internal. It's, it's internal. It's internal. I have a question for you. So speaking of, you know, we talked about our past life as rappers. I'm sure it'll keep coming up. But our past life as spoken word artists. Mm. I mean, I used to feel like I couldn't write. I'm a, I know I'm a great writer. Right? Mm-hmm. I do know that. But I used to feel like I couldn't write spoken word mm-hmm. because I didn't have much to complain about. Like I, I felt like it was a genre mm-hmm. about complaining like saying this is what's wrong in the world and we need to make it right 
or this is what happened to me and it was wrong. And then it would feel like it didn't bring down people's moods. It felt like it actually made people feel validated and connected. And people were connecting around their pain bodies, you know? I mean, the blues. The blues is literally the bedrock (laughs) of spoken word poetry, right? Like, like the blues is like, my dog died, my wife died. My car broke down. There's literally nothing good that happens. The the blues is is literally lyrical complaints. Lyrical complaining. So, I mean, spoken word did not necessarily create that. But I think spoken word was considered like this really from the ground up, especially in the... um, in the wake of, you know, hip hop going more commercial, yeah, it was yeah. a way to preserve some of that authenticity, that authentic voice. I, I didn't, I had, I think woman to woman is like my closest to that. Yeah. And it's my most popular. So go think <laughs> folks like shit that like, is like calling out and complaining, but also relatable. Yeah. You know, people don't like to feel like misery loves company. People don't like the fact that the only one's feeling but a that's certain what, type of so way. So I'm, I'm kind of providing a solution. Like if okay. you tend to be a complainer, you might just want to write some poems, little songs. Or hang with other complainers. And I bet you you <laughs> won't want to do that shit long. Like, because you'll be like, God, this, why am I so exhausted? <laughs> like what's going on? Oh, the energy is transferred. That did change. That, I did really change that in my life. When I realized I was complaining a lot, all mm-hmm. the time, actually. I, sh- I shifted who I was around. Your people. Yeah. And then it becomes really hard to be around yeah. complaining. Because yeah. everything can't be that bad all the time. Mm-hmm. I give myself sometimes, this is another strategy that I try to use. Like yesterday, I had a moment of complaining. Okay. And I, had a, I was emotional. And I felt I was in my feelings. And... Um, you know, in my spiritual practice, there's things I do immediately when I feel that way. But also, I didn't. I realized, like, okay, you got it. You got to the end of the day with this shit. Like, I give yeah. myself a cap. Me too. You got to the end of the day with this shit. Mm-hmm. Okay, and tomorrow you already know you're gonna do what you gotta do mm-hmm. and do and make this better or make whatever. And you know that. So we're not gonna pretend into tomorrow that you're the victim of a circumstance. You can feel how you feel about it today. But I give myself a cap, mm-hmm. and I also tried not to. Let hmm. not to impact the other people around me with it. You know, I will communicate if I just I, if I don't want to negatively impact. I'll say like I'm in a space and whatever, and you know, I I'll work through it. So you go more internal. I and do tend to go you, more internal. You're like, I'm dealing with something right now. I'm not ready to process it yet because I'm not in a positive place. And I don't want to spread that. Or I if I if and if I get stuck in there and I I know I need to, then I will call like one or one or two people to just help me get out, and just like. Like, can you see this with new eyes for me? You know, because right now I can't. So can you see this with new eyes for me? Complaining really doesn't feel like gratitude at all. Like, it it feels like a dismissal of what you're grateful for. But sometimes I have to go through that complaining moment to get back to what I'm grateful for. That's what I'm saying. Like, sometimes we have to go through through those feelings instead of... Like dismiss dismissing them, them to the yeah, side because it's not to me like if you're ignoring something or you're it's like repression. It is, and it comes out in these really fucked up passive aggressive ways. You know, mm-hmm. it really will. But I like what you're saying. It's like it's naming. That's going to be really helpful for me. It's like naming like, hey, I'm not feeling something right now. I'm gonna need a little bit of space yeah. so I can really get my head back right because I don't. And using the language for me is, I don't want to dampen your mood. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. You know? I don't I don't want to bring your mood down. Yeah. With what I'm dealing with. And I know that it's me. Yeah. And giving ourselves permission to do that. So for a perfectionist like me, that's super helpful. Who's like mm. who feels guilt on top of everything else about complaining, who feels shameful for complaining. You know, mm. for me it's helpful to say, no, you can give yourself permission for that. It's a great reminder. That you're you're not like, that you're a human being. But you know, some of us don't operate like we are. Like we don't, you know, what does it mean to be a human being anymore, Noni? Like we, like. But okay, you know, whether or not you get down with with Jesus Christ, right? Right. Uh, And I'm not going to say whether or not I do. I'll leave it a mystery. But. (laughs) (laughs) We will be gnawing our teeth and eggs (laughs) trying to figure that one out, Dark. But there's this one story, you know, where Jesus goes by this fig tree. Oh, the Bible has great stories. He Every goes by the, you, everyone yeah. to meet is in the But Bible. he goes by this fig tree and the fig tree wasn't producing any fruit. Mm-hmm. And he cursed the fig tree. Mm-hmm. And then he came back and he felt bad. Mm-hmm. Like, like, oh, Christ did something bad. Like, mm-hmm. he felt remorse. But I always think about that because, like, he, that was like complaining. That was like him being a human being. I mean, being, he tossed over tables and temples. If we want to, that really, was righteous anger. That was right. I'm that was right. <laughs> that these are the but moments then, but that we're is, like. He wanted something to eat, and it wasn't nothing not on there. the on the on the tree. And he was like, "This fucking tree, you whack ass tree, whack ass tree." I'm cursing tree. you. And then he came back and realized My bad. It wasn't your fault. Yeah, not the right season. Yeah, I should have checked. It ain't even it ain't even close to September. <laughs> It ain't even close to September. Look, look. And so to me, like that, those kind of stories always make me feel like that. It to me, they're like symbolic stories of mm-hmm. allow yourself the journey of of like going through it. And you can being always repair, wrong, being wrong, yeah. going into repair, yeah. asking for forgiveness. Yeah. You know, all of those things. That's a part of our journey here, and that yeah. part feel, also feels really good. It does. It does. It you, feels you good can't to be redeemed. That. You can't. You like swipe that card. All the time, like you ain't gonna stop complaining, and then you go back. But, but I did say, <laughs> I did say I was sorry about that, and I did it again the next day. You do have to demonstrate some some actual enthusiasm about changing the behavior. But no, absolutely, I you know we we I say sometimes we grow more in the dark than we do in the light. Absolutely. So I mean, I feel like this is definitely some place I want to work on. Okay, and I think. The language around the word complain just feels like so... It's an ugly word. It's an ugly word, and it makes you feel ugly. But, you know, we a lot of times we just don't even realize we're doing it. Yeah. It's a very unconscious behavior. So if any, if nothing, we want us all, we want you all to join Noni and I as we become more conscious yeah. of the behavior. If somebody's giving you feedback, like, pay attention to what your, how do your kids respond? How do your... If you are a manager, and how do your... Um, the people that you supervise respond to you. Are, if you can look at their responses, that would dictate, you know, their self-esteem is supposed to, like, should be growing around you. Absolutely. You know what I mean? But when you find someone's like, oh, I know, I never, I got it wrong again, or you see that kind of stuff, you have to think about what kind of what environment you're, putting, you're what creating, you're what kind there. of thing you're putting out there. Because you definitely don't want to be responsible for people feeling like they can't do something. And they feel down. Like, my grandmother... She, for me, is my example of not complaining. Like, mm-hmm. she's 87. Mm-hmm. But when you go, you know, hi, how are you? How you doing? If you call her, you go by. She always has the same answers. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Incredible. Couldn't be better. Completely blessed. Like, mm-hmm. every single time. Yeah. Without fail. Like, 
My grandmother it's, too. It's a really rare thing. She'll call me because she knows I do a bunch of like, you know, kitchen witchery. Mm-hmm. So she'll call me like, mm, um, I'm just having a little issue. No worry. You know, don't worry. Yeah. But what would you do with, with like a knee, yeah. a knee pain? Yeah. But she doesn't say my knees are hurting. Yeah. She doesn't even say that. She's like, mm. what would you do? For somebody that has knee pain, I'm having a little issue, you know, and, and that kind of way of, of framing things, she always tells me like, be beautiful, speak beauty, speak light. Yeah. That's going to make people feel good every time they're around you. Yeah. Speak about the things that are working for you. Anytime someone asks you a question, talk about everything you can think of that is just going so fantastic. Now, that's not to say she's an angel because she's not. Mm-hmm. But I do learn from this part of her personality yeah. to like really emphasis. She's like, if you're having a bad day, get up. She's from the South. Put on a full face of makeup. <laughs> get dressed. Yeah. Like make your house look beautiful. Put your kids, make yeah. your kids look beautiful. Just like make it more beautiful. Don't yeah. sit in the the low. And I think, yes, we have, and this may be subconscious on our part. I think, you know, we have given, we have, we've been reasonable about this what? in this podcast. You know, typically we're pretty like, we're not going to do this. We're going to do this. Right. Mm-hmm. But I think we've given ourselves some wiggle room to yeah. continue complaining, <laughs> but I do want to explore. <laughs> I noticed we gave ourselves a bit of a safety net. So I do want to explore, okay, though, let's... the transformational power of if we challenge ourselves to like Thea. consciously Thea. not complain. Thea, me and you. Let's do it. One week of no complaints. Zero complaints. Zero complaints. Okay. I've done it before. And, and it was amazing, right? I've done it for 30 days before. I didn't complain about a single thing. It was one of the happiest times in my life. I didn't complain about a single thing. How could it not be? Not a single 30 days. No complaining. Okay. And all I did, any, and I, every morning I woke up and I wrote in a gratitude journal. And every night I wrote in a gratitude journal. And I just didn't complain. I just didn't complain about anything. Okay. 30 days. Not this food it. sucks or this is too hot or, oh, it's a little bit cold. It, are Nothing. you cold? I'm cold. Nothing. Nothing. Everything was like, yeah, I feel, I'm feeling good. How are you feeling? I'm feeling great. Like everything was just positive. And that, listen, okay, I accept your challenge. I, I said seven days because this oh, shit ain't for, okay, for okay, the birds. Okay, okay, okay. Seven, seven days. days. Seven days. And then we revisit this at the end of seven days, see if yeah. we want to renew another Because I only days. had one kid last time and I have three. <laughs> Okay, so, so seven days to start us off, but also, okay, so... So no wiggle room. No, seven days, no wiggle when room. When we leave here today. Today, it goes down, It goes right? down. Okay, and, okay. <laughs> you scared? No, I got this. Okay. You so prefer, seven uh-oh, days... Uh-oh, I know, I'm talking to the perfectionist. But also, I think, here's the thing, when you said... No, I go hard. When you said um, about, like, you know, if, if anybody acts like, I'm doing good, I'm a stress, that's not a lie. Right, it's not like we're pretending right. we're doing good. Right, we're just not pulling from the part of us that is maybe not the most favorite, not, not the most satisfied. But we're we're really dissatisfied with every single thing in our life. So we can be responding from the part of our life that we are satisfied with, and it's the honest to God truth at that moment. Mm-hmm. So the, yes, the, I the practice is the practice is to feel satisfied. To sit in your satisfaction. Yeah. The other thing I've done sometimes with clients is every time they get ready to say a complaint, I make them give a compliment. Mm. So when they feel it like coming up in their mouth, they have to be like, that's really lovely. (laughs) It's really lovely. (laughs) 
<laughs> and it's hard at a restaurant, right? Somebody brings you the wrong thing. And you know, even that, like if somebody brings you the wrong thing, there's a way to address that without it being a complaint, right? Without oh, being this rude looks, or whatever. This looks, this looks amazing. This looks amazing. It has these onions. And I was wondering yes. if it's possible to like yeah. have it without the onions. Yeah, it's a, it's, By the way, okay, you have I'd like a lovely to blouse. Mind. That's a lovely blouse. It's a lovely blouse. A blues. Blues. It's a lovely blues. <laughs> Okay, so yes, because I do want to say that, like, I do think some of us don't need the wiggle room. Yeah, we don't need the wiggle some room. Some of us give ourselves too much wiggle room. Yeah, we so, don't need the wiggle room. We're going to do seven we're days. We're going to do seven days. We're going to do complaint free. I'm gonna be, we'll be accountability partners via text. You can, you can FaceTime me if you need to. If your husband isn't being his normal best husband in the world. Best husband in the world. So it, there's flare-ups. There are flare-ups every now and then. Oh, it's so funny because I was sharing with a friend. Um, I caught, we caught her in a moment of like, her husband was trying to be like, really like, like, hmm. Emotionally vulnerable, like saying stuff, and she was like, you know, basically, like, I ain't got time for that. Like, I, I, just like, and the time, the timing was, the timing was poor. It was poor, and it was like, but he was trying, but like the social skills, it was just some stuff. Okay, and so um, we were like, yeah, that was, you know, that was rough. Um, but you know, what I've learned to do is like when my husband's like seems like he needs a little something. I used to be like, what is going on? Like, why is he doing? Now I just go over there and I give him a hug and I'm like, I miss you too. That's it. Like, just give a little bit of love in that moment. And I think maybe that could even work if you see somebody complaining. Just, can I give you this hug? Because just just take this. Just just take all this. And then go... Tell it to your tell tell it to your diary. What's the what's the line? <laughs> right. Write it in your Write diary. Write it in your diary. Write it in your diary. <laughs> All I got for you is this hug. Because I damn sure can't sit here and gobble up all. You these know where complaints. people put it on Facebook. On Facebook. Okay. Or on let that. me order you a karaoke mic. Maybe let's words put it in the mic. words from the heart. We gonna finish it up. I'm gonna do my um my words from the heart. Mm-hmm. Interrupt your disappointment, your apathy, your cynicism, your pettiness, with practices mm. of complete unabashed joy sing karaoke (laughs) dance do a cartwheel blow some bubbles for real just be a kid Mm -hmm. if you're having like if you're feeling petty you're feeling gross you're complaining a lot take a break and do something just do something out of this world Mm -hmm. out of adulthood Mm -hmm. out of seriousness out of perfectionism go get you a karaoke mic Yes. And just put on Prince. And when doves cry, mm, <laughs> and, mm, and just let it out. Just let it all out. Just let it, just let it out. <sighs> My words from the heart are, I'm going to issue the challenge. Maybe not the seven-day challenge that Noni and I are doing. We go hard. We go hard. But I do want you to, when you catch yourself ready to complain about, say, a a significant person in your life that you say you love, that you say you care about, that you could be shrinking Mm. right before your very eyes with these complaints, that you give them a compliment instead. And I, the magic of that would be that the thing you're complaining about 
will probably go away because the better that person feels about themselves, the better they're going to do the dishes or the better they're going to do the other thing, you know. So that would be my challenge. It's not strict. It gives you a bit of a safety net, but I think we could all do it. I think we can do it. I do too. And we want to hear back from you on how it's working. So please like find us on Instagram and uh, post and you can uh, let us know slide in our DMs yeah slide in slide, slide in our slide, DMs slide. all heart podcast and, and that way we know how it's working for you and we'd love to share that on the show talk to y'all soon thanks thank you